Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Socks on Tap. Tony, I, my first reaction is just, fuck yes, let's go. Socks versus Detroit. That's, that's where it all starts. It all starts taking care of business in-house in the Central Division. That's right, I'm a meatball. You gotta bring that top button swag, baby. It is always great to beat the Cubs. And I'm a homer, so I always say they're gonna. Dallas Keiko Lampson got some beers that you should be afraid of. What everybody said when he gets out there, it's me versus the other guy, and I'm gonna beat him. So I just love that mentality. It's cool and fucking tough. Steve, Steve, would you say that Tony is mad online? I, I would definitely say that. The White Sox winner. Hello, White Sox fans, and welcome into another edition of the Sox on Tap postgame show. It's Tony Marchese tonight. I am joined by friend of the show, Chuck Naso. Chuck is joining us tonight, filling in for the guys who are out, having a good time at the ballpark. Chuck, welcome on in. It's been a while. How you feeling, man? A lot better than I have since opening day, I guess. Um, this was an awesome win. After the first awesome one yesterday, so I can't complain right now. Let's uh, let's keep this momentum going. I 100% agree with you, Chuck. It's uh, it's been a wild ride, and the Sox are riding a five-game winning streak now, one game back in the Central Division. This is this has just been such a roller coaster of a year. I was out at the ballpark last night. I believe Johnny and Steve took care of the post-game duties and talked about. A crazy comeback win against the Houston Astros. We're here to do the exact same thing tonight. Be sure you're following the show at Socks on Tap. Drop in the YouTube. You can find our YouTube at On Tap Sportsnet. Follow myself at Tony On Tap. And Chuck, why don't you tell the fine folks uh, where they can find you on the uh, the old Twitter.com? Just at Chuck N A S O on Twitter. And if you're not familiar with Chuck's work, Chuck is uh, a barstool sports guy. Chuck. Uh, you do a great job over there. I'm glad to have you on the show tonight, big White Sox fan. You were on a couple of post-game shows last year, I would say. Most of those were fun. They were lighthearted shows that we got to do. Talk about, you know, a fun baseball club. And it's, it kind of feels like we're going back to last year when I've got you on the show now. And things are feeling fun. The, the vibes are high. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you go into a, a must-win ball game like tonight. Justin Verlander, Dylan Cease, we're going to talk a lot about that. But, man, it, how, like, you say you're feeling good now. Is this the high point uh, this far in the White Sox season? Yeah, I, and, and I think at the low point during the season, I think the only thing I could see happening was that, that stretch run where you could just really get the momentum going, going into the playoffs. That was the only thing I could see happening that could turn this thing around, that that quick stretch run and just absolutely running the table and, and, and taking it to the playoffs. And I think last night that inning, that's the type of inning and ending to a game that starts one of those runs. So, and, and we saw it happen again tonight. And even, even though we weren't scoring off Verlander, it still felt like there was competitive at bats happening leading up to the events of the, seventh inning where Gavin Sheets tied up the ball game. It just felt like a way more competitive uh, competitive at bats only giving up one even though we only even though we only scored one run off Justin Verlander, I felt like we were in a good spot compared to games past. 
We absolutely were. And and last night being at the ballpark, Chuck, it would it just had a different feel to it. I'm assuming for those who were there tonight, uh, the ballpark had that same kind of feel, especially as the Sox battle back. But we got to talk about some of this pitching matchup stuff because this was the talk of MLB today, Justin Verlander versus Dylan Cease, the two uh, heavy favorites to win the AL Cy Young this season, Chuck. And you know, I, I always sort of get that feeling whenever there's going to be a, a great pitcher's duel that it never really lives up to the hype that uh, everybody builds it up to be. But what were your thoughts on, you know, this matchup, what that might mean for, you know, Dylan Cease and the Cy Young uh, race or, or Verlander himself here because he had his spots where he got touched up too. Uh, just give me some overall thoughts on did this live up to its billing and uh you know what this means for both of these pitchers yeah i mean i think i think c's felt good through those first two innings then you obviously saw the wheels fall off with the the two leadoff walks um and he kind of got back to his old ways i and, and i was talking to some other people about this while he was pitching those first two innings but it seems like a lot of his success has come to throwing the slider over the plate for strikes or those borderline strikes that get guys to either swing and miss or make outs early in the account. Um, you see Verlander, Verlander does it well. He's just com- always over the plate, always competing, always trying to get guys to get themselves out more than being the power pitcher that he was when he originally got called up. I mean, he still can strike you out, but he's still, he's going to get you, he's going to get you to make your, make yourself get out. Um, and, and that's what I want to see from, from C's as he develops. Um, we're seeing a lot of it during this run. Um, obviously the, the training wheels fell off a little bit today in the third inning with the walks. And I think that's more so cause he was getting a little curveball happy and he started throwing the curveballs in the dirt and, and these good teams like the Astros or the Yankees, they spit on that curveball way more than the slider. So if, if you don't throw a competitive breaking pitch that a guy wants to swing at, then they're going to take their walks and they're going to mash and take advantage of it, take advantage of it. Luckily we got the pickoff to Josh Harrison that they kind of, I think saved a lot more runs that should have come in in that inning. Um, they tacked on two. Uh, that's going to happen when you're facing guys like Tucker or Bregman, those guys are just going to hit. Um, so yeah, I, it didn't live up to his billing, but that that's going to happen most of the time at this point. I don't care about Cy Young matchups. I just want to win fucking baseball games. Uh, maybe if we were like 15 games up in the standings, I'd be a little bit more concerned about Dylan C's winning the Cy Young. Um, I want to see my pitcher have the Johnny Cueto attitude of winning baseball games. Uh, that's all I want to see. <laughs> so if Dylan C's can win baseball games and win the Cy Young, I'll be happy, but let's just win baseball games to begin with. Yeah, around here we call that putting one in the left-hand column, Chuck, and then that's exactly what the White Sox were able to do tonight. I I would agree with you this didn't live up to its billing uh, in terms of uh, a great pitching matchup, so to speak. I'm pretty sure you're a betting guy. I don't know what the line was. I thought it was uh, was, uh, Astros, I think, were uh, minus 127 favorites going into that game tonight. What was the – I know the White Sox – uh, I think it was their over under on run scored was set at three and a half. I think they tipped that over there. But I mean, in, in terms of uh, a low scoring game, I mean, this is kind of middle of the road, but I just don't think that either pitcher kind of gave you that 
shutout stuff. I know Verlander had a nice little stretch run there where he retired a couple in a row. I think he got up to seven at one point, kind of quieted the White Sox offense. But you've seen the same story. White Sox have come back late against the Houston Astros in the last two ball games, and that's exactly what they did there. Now, you brought up uh, one of the most interesting plays of the ball game, which was the Dylan Cease pickoff of Jose Altuve at second base. And, Chuck, I think that that personally was a key defining moment in this ball game because if you don't execute that pickoff right there and the inning goes the exact same way, I think the Astros get an extra run out of this here. Yeah, and it would have felt. I think uh, the difference. It's the difference between like a uh, a two run ball game and a three run ball game. And I think a three run ball game feels at this point the way our offense has performed feels like a tough thing to overcome. A two run ball game, we overcame it last night, and we overcame it tonight. It just feels always feels more doable to me. I I, I don't know why, but it's it, once you get to that three four runs, I feel like game over. Uh, maybe in years past where we were mashing baseballs over the fence. Every every inning, uh, I'd feel a little bit more confident. But when you're playing station to station baseball, got to keep it within one to two runs for these comebacks. You you absolutely do, and I think that that's why that play was just so fucking huge in this ball game, Chuck. Uh, getting him out there, uh, you know. Let's let's talk a little bit about the old Andrew Vaughn in right field play because that's how the Astros wind up getting these runs here, man. Andrew Vaughn, you, you open Twitter.com. You see this. You see the takes. You see what people say about having Andrew Vaughn in right field. Steve Stone mentions it on the broadcast that you know he's a first baseman playing the outfield. There's a lot of White Sox fans that are just playing fed up with this shit. And you know, here's a play where you can make an argument, and I, I'm pretty sure it's a fair argument to say that a guy like Adam Engel or somebody else that actually plays the outfield a little bit more and has a little bit more experience would have caught that ball. But I heard you say sometimes guys like that are going to hit. What are your thoughts on Andrew Vaughn in right field at this at this juncture, man? I, I'm, I'm curious for your thoughts on it. Yeah, man, the way the, uh, the, way the lineup <laughs> is made and the way this roster has been constructed, at this point we have to put a first baseman or somebody who can't field in left or right field at some point. Like you, the, Eloy's got to be in left field so that – Yes, can DH or when Roberts hurt right now, you have to put Pollock in center field. So we have two bad outfielders on our team. Um, obviously, I think Vaughn isn't a right fielder, but I think for what he is, he does a pretty damn good job of being a he's a right field, a serviceable right fielder. He doesn't do anything dumb. He just can't make the the great catches you would want from a right fielder. A normal right fielder. Um, yeah, it's frustrating. I, I, all you can ask is that he maybe mashes his next at bat, but you can't be mad at a guy who's a first baseman his whole life that can't make catch in right field. And if you are, I mean, th- then be more mad at the front office or Jerry Reinsdorf that we didn't sign a right fielder. Yeah, I think that it's just kind of at this point a little asinine to get on the the manager. This is just my opinion, uh, or you know, Andrew Vaughn himself. In some of these situations, there's been other baseball teams that have been successful with playing guys out of position because their bat is just that valuable to the lineup. Um, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier in uh, in our socks on tap group chat, Chuck, and you know, we, we were mentioning the fact that uh, you know Andrew Vaughn has to play right field every now and then, but uh, you know, it's it's 
still a sticking point. There's a lot of people. I mean, I our guy Steve on the show all the time talks about how he might be the worst defensive right fielder. This is this isn't going to go away. And I think that uh, you know there's been rumblings of how you fix this problem, but uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do in the off season with it. It rears its ugly head once again today, and that's how Dylan Cease gets touched up. They don't give Andrew Vaughn an error on that play. Uh, you saw Dylan Cease get a little bit frustrated, I, I would say, with uh, with with Andrew Vaughn or the outcome of that play, so to speak, uh, when that happened, um, and and Dylan Cease's historic streak of was that under one earned run uh, over the course of uh, quite a few starts in a row comes to an end there. I don't know. Are you giving him an error? Are you giving Andrew Vaughn an error, Chuck, or is that a basic? No, I mean, no, that's just a tough play. It's off the, it's off the glove, but you're not, like, making it. That's, I don't call that an error. Okay. You had, if you had to outstretch your arm, no. <laughs> that just I, didn't know where, I didn't know where official score Chuck was, was at on this point. <laughs> there was a lot of official <laughs> scores He's had online. a gun. If Dylan C's had a gun to my head, it would be an error. But, uh, yes. Once again, don't fucking care. We won. <laughs> don't care. We won. I don't care about earn runs. We Put won. it in the left-hand count. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's talk about how we get that done, Chuck. The White Sox offense uh, got off to an early lead, uh, but then uh, we just talked about what happened there out in right field. Houston tacks another on in the fifth. But the seventh inning, the Sox mount a little bit of a comeback here to tie the ball game. I thought this was – actually some very beautiful managing from Tony La Russa to bring in Gavin Sheets. He's my boy. I don't know if you know this, but Gavin Sheets is my boy. Um, I work with him in the backyard all the time on, you know, just being clutch and being elite and, and doing cool and tough shit. And once again, he comes up and does some cool and sh- tough shit for the White Sox uh, in a pinch hit situation. I believe he's five for 10 this year. Uh, that's, that's 500. I'd say that's pretty fucking good. Uh, hashtag good as always uh, we're working to confirm if that's the case but uh, Chuck we've got some heroics here uh, from from my boy Gavin Sheets I mean w- what are your thoughts on uh, you know just you know the the entire uh, comeback here once again I need I need to hear it from you yeah man uh, it, it it feels fucking awesome when it's happening um, I do have a weird superstition lately of on one of my other TVs I've, I've been playing the audio and keeping it on mute, and they have been scoring runs every time I do that. Um, so I did that tonight, and I didn't hear Gavin's heroics, but I was watching it and screaming very loudly over the muted TV while listening to a different podcast. Um, but Gavin came up there, and I don't think Sosa – did he pinch it for Sosa, right? He did pinch it for yeah. Sosa. I don't think Sosa was going to do the job right there. That was just – the obvious move. Thank God it was. I am not a Larry guy. I know you're a Larry legend guy as well. Um, but I'd rather see Gavin Sheets in that situation. He's more poised, going to give you a better chance to, to hit the long ball and put up a better at bat, I think, than Larry there. Um, he shot it down the line, made it, got a big hit, and maybe that gets him going as much. And, it, and honestly, he doesn't need to get going. He's hit some pretty big home runs, and I think he gets a lot of flack on White Sox Twitter. Um, I, I, I think he did, does deserve some respect right now after his last couple outings. Um, and that's a big, big, big hit. It absolutely is. And, you know, I, I was perusing some, some Astros Twitter, maybe some, some gambling Twitter uh, after that took place. And there was a lot of people who were big mad. I'm talking just like White Sox fans get mad. Anytime anything goes wrong online at Dusty Baker – 
for not pulling Justin Verlander when Larusa pinch hit sheets there. They said, go to Eddie Lefty in your bullpen. This was absolutely egregious. That was Gavin Sheets' first time facing Justin Verlander. Let's be real here. Uh, Verlander's one of the best pitchers in the game. You got guys screaming and yelling that Verlander should have been taken out there. It felt good, Chuck. That's what I'm trying to get to. It felt good to see us kind of shit all over somebody else's night. Um, you know, all the uh, the people who took the Astros money and, and all the people who root for the Houston Astros. It felt good. I felt fired up. I felt just absolutely right there as a White Sox fan. Just a proud moment. Of course, my boy delivering and the White Sox being able to, uh, you know, it just – get back, you know, uh, into a tie ball game and make this thing run. We got to give credit where credit's due here. We gave it to Gavin. I've got to give it to a bunch of names in the bullpen that I normally hate seeing come out. Uh, so let's, let's just quickly roll through, uh, this white Sox bullpen, uh, on the night. Chuck Jose Ruiz came on in relief for Dylan Cease and he worked, uh, a very, very nice inning. He did give up a hit. Uh, but he did strike out one batter, and he got the job done. I remember when people were saying that Tony pulled the punt squad out tonight, and uh, the punt squad, uh, first inning from Ruiz, scoreless. Then you get Vince Velasquez in there. He does walk a batter. That bat. into a little trouble. Can we talk about that inning? Yeah, he, had two bat- talk about it. he had two batters on, and I was also watching this on mute, and it felt like somebody was twisting my testicle watching that inning. Yes, but- this, was, this, was a rough, this was a rough one. Sometimes you just you just get out of those innings. And I think we deserve after how many times we've been fully kicked in the nuts this season, I think we deserve two clean innings there every once in a while. Yeah, we do. We do. And and you know, Foster gets sent down the other day. They brought Vince Velasquez back. I think that there were some people who were upset about it. I didn't know how I really felt about the move, but Foster's had his his struggles and you know, it's it's Vinny Velo. He's he's had some stretches this year where Vinny Velo's been on. He's also had stretches I, where he's been terrible, but he gets out of this one. I mean, it was escape artist type shit. I think with Foster too. I think it's more of a fatigue thing for Foster. He's been mopping up a lot of bad innings. Um, I think they sent him down the minor leagues because he has an option. Let him let him rest a little bit. Uh, use Vinny as your mop up guy for a few weeks, and then maybe bring up Foster again. Hope you hopefully you get that that high leverage guy we saw earlier in the season with a, a new breath of life from Foster. So that's what, I, that's my mentality of why they did that. Um, but yeah, I ho- hopefully that's what they're thinking. I'm, I'm right there with you on that same thought process, Chuck. I, I, I do think that you haven't seen the last of Matt Foster this year. Um, we'll see where it goes, but uh, the one name Jimmy Lambo comes in, in a very high leverage situation uh, in your eighth inning strikes out two. he does give up a hit works around all of it he's scoreless jimmy lambert has just been absolutely phenomenal lately chuck i can't explain it i don't know why i've watched a lot of double headers where jimmy lambert you know is your uh your call up to start game two and things don't exactly go the way that you want them to i've watched him struggle I've felt for this kid um, for a while now. It is awesome to see him succeeding in some very, very high leverage spots. The velocity's there. 
I've loved his growth over this season, Chuck, and I feel like it kind of culminated here tonight. Larusa giving Jimmy Lambert the ball in that eighth inning. Yeah, any thoughts? Yeah, on that guy Lambo. Let's let's hear him. Yeah, and 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 this goes back. To, I think Larusa was talking to the press the other day, and he was, he was comparing him to a young Adam Wainwright closing games out for the the St. Louis Cardinals. And it kind of makes a ton of sense. It's a, it's a young guy who maybe struggled early on starting, and he gets to go in the back end of a bullpen and absolutely toss gas and just throw his, his two nastiest pitches when he, whenever he wants to and, and get to show it off for one inning, balls out. Um, and sometimes with pitchers, that's just a mentality change that can absolutely change the way you approach pitching. And I think that's what's happening with Jimmy Lambert. And I think that's the one thing that um, LaRusso does very well. And I know he gets a lot of flack, but I think he sets up guys for success out of the bullpen. Um, he he tests, slowly tests them in some high leverage situations, and then he kind of fully throws them in the deep end. Um, guys like Reynaldo and guys like Jimmy Lambert now. And, and those are the type of guys you're going to need if we're going to make a playoff push. Those are the guys we can't just go Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks every night. Can't be, can't happen. We need Reynaldo to shove a hundred and you need Jimmy Lambert to show up for the sixth, seventh inning. Um, and now this pen's looking pretty formidable with, with, even with Deekman. like Deekman's given up a couple bombs, but he's looked pretty solid in his kind of low high leverage situations in the seventh, sixth, seventh, eighth innings. Um, and then Joe Kelly's been, been pretty good. So, uh, yeah, man, the bullpen's looking on the up and up. I don't. What, what do you think about Lambo? I'm I'm loving the development from Lambo, and you brought up a name here, and this is where I was going to go with this. It's almost the same sort of trajectory that you saw. Maybe a shorter version of the story, but what you've seen with Reynaldo Lopez, right? A guy that you know comes in, does a little bit of starting, struggles a little bit, shows some flashes. You throw him at the back end of a bullpen, and he does get to feature those one, two pitches because he's only going through the order once at most. And I just feel like you can unleash a little bit more of your stuff because you're not trying to uh, hold some stuff back for that longevity. And and I think that that can build some confidence. It, it helps somebody uh, who's, you know, maybe got to keep it throttled, just unleash it a little bit more. And I, I, I've loved the development from him. I think that uh, they've done a pretty good job uh, with, with, Lampert this year. He wasn't a guy that I had on my radar to even be pitching in, um, you know, high leverage situations at all. Maybe a couple spot starts through the year, but I've loved what I've seen, Chuck. I think it's been one of the more positive developments on the White Sox this season. If you can continue to do this down the stretch, I mean, you're talking about innings that were probably going to go to Garrett Crochet, somebody who that uh, White Sox fans have been very high on, and that was a very unfortunate injury. They've kind of been struggling to figure out where those sixth, seventh innings go. And it's been mm-hmm. Reynaldo Lopez and Jimmy Lambert. I think they've been very positive developments for this bullpen. And you're right. They are looking kind of formidable. Earlier on this season, there were so many question marks, rightfully so, because yeah. things weren't getting done. And now things are getting done at the back end of the pen. You brought up Jake Diekman. His stuff's nasty. We were we were sitting all together, the Sox on Tap guys, a couple weeks ago, um, at uh, one. I think it was like his second appearance. Just watching his stuff from behind home plate, man. He's got a lot of break. He's just filthy with that slider. 
and he's a guy that wants the ball all the time too. So I'm I'm feeling better about this bullpen than I have uh, in in recent seasons almost. Uh, right now, as things have kind of developed, man, I, I don't know if I'm way off base on this, but it it feels good. I mean, you, you went to the punt squad technically, and they got the job done today against the Houston Astros, who are a good baseball team. So, yeah. and sometimes it works. And we're lining up there tomorrow. Now, now we have Kelly Graveman all available tomorrow, and Deepman to, to all available the next two games. This yep. is with no off day. You have to get innings from Ruiz and Vince Velasquez that you got tonight while you're down in a game three to one. You know, you just can't you can't afford to throw a Graveman out there today and then have no closure tomorrow if they can't use Hendricks after using them back to back nights. You just you just can't do it. <laughs> it can't happen. Um, somebody's going to get injured if we throw out Liam three nights in a row. Or uh, Graveman multiple times, so we just gotta we gotta figure it out from there. Can't can't pitch every game like it's Game Seven of the World Series. It sucks, especially when it's a, a big game like tonight. But I'm glad it worked out. Hey, this is just realistic talk here, uh, Chuck, and that's that's what I appreciate uh, when you and I get to converse some baseball. So I, I love you bringing the realistic uh, just sentiment towards this. Not every guy's gonna be able to go every day, and that's just something that's gonna happen. I look at this as kind of role players stepping up and doing their job. That's, you know, what most good baseball teams have. Guys who aren't your everyday guys. I'm talking about Larry Garcia. I'm not trying to, you know, bring this full circle. But you've got not everyday guys who step up and do their job, get the job done, that leads to a win that sets you up for tomorrow to be successful again. And that's what you're bringing to the table when you talk about how now you have basically bullpen A squad ready to go uh, for game three in this series. And I think that they've managed this very well. Guys executed. It's wonderful when the players execute, Chuck, because then nobody's mad. It just yeah. worked out. It's, that's just what it is. White Sox win this game, and we got to talk about how it happened. This is a guy who has not had the best – couple seasons i would say has been very very hotly contested over whether or not this guy is good um the the, the name is yoan mancada chuck everybody wants to talk about yoan mancada your guy co-worker white Sox dave said the other day that he was done with yoan mancada and ever since yoan mancada has been done chuck in in white Sox dave's mind Yohan Moncada has gone out there and won a couple ball games for the Chicago White Sox. He's also one of the most clutch hitters. I've seen some stats. I mean, this guy was batting like close to 400 with two outs, runners in scoring position. He's doing things that you wanted from a phenom that you traded Chris Sale for lately. I, I don't know what's happening. I feel like the universe has kind of just oh. flipped the script. The emotion that I saw out of Yohan Mancada after he had the game-winning hit tonight was just, I mean, fucking electric. I don't even know how to describe the feelings that come over me, the goosebumps that I get as a White Sox fan, seeing Yohan Mancada out there swinging his arms down, screaming into the night as he once again takes down the Houston Astros. 
that's the shit I want to see if I'm a White Sox fan. That's the shit that I want to see all the time. That's superstar shit. I know he hasn't done it all the time, but he's been delivering over these past couple of games. And he's done it against the Houston Astros before in his career. I remember uh, Yohan Moncada walk-off a couple of years ago when this kid was just coming into the big leagues, getting the job done in big moments. I want to see the consistency, but, man, am I just fucking impressed with the big moments that he's been delivering on lately. And he's bringing a little bit of emotion to this team right now, Chuck. Give me some Yohan Moncada thoughts. I, I want to hear him. And, and, and is White Sox Dave now banned from being a Yohan Moncada fan? I'll let you finish it off with that. Yeah, I think we're just – I think we are just banned from banning stuff because I I counseled the season the other day. They've won five straight. Um, since Dave is counseled, I think we have the best record in uh, the American League. Um, I never counseled Moncada, though. He was always a confusing, confusing player to me because you could see he wanted to be good, but he had, he has a lot of confusion at the plate. He was it always felt like he was late on fastballs, could only drive off speed pitches, um, was wasn't looking to be aggressive early in the counts or late in the counts when he had two strikes. He always you know striking out looking. Um, what's very nice to see what I saw. There was two things I saw last night. He came up ready to swing and swung at that first pitch fastball and fucking pissed on it up the middle. And then tonight, after the single, that emotion is all I've wanted to see from that guy. And I think seeing emotion from a guy who's usually reserved when you're in the dugout gets you fucking amped up when you're in the dugout. If you see a guy like that who's not usually fucking fist bumping at first base doing that, that would get guys jacked up. So – um, seeing Mankata get those two hits is huge, man. And I, and I, and who cares if he, if, if he hits you under this year, it go, it all goes out the window. If he runs the table with us to, towards the end of the season into the playoffs, like if this guy goes on an, an unprecedented run, like how can you be mad at him? Um, I think we all just wanted to see this from him. So I'll eat my words all day, the, any day of the week about Johan Mankata, um, after seeing performances like this on back to back nights. Um, I think he has it in him, and I think this is just a start from what we can see. He's a great defender. Um, maybe he just needs big fucking crowds and the bright lights and big situations to get it going, but it's it's happening. You know, you bring up a good point. Maybe it's the big crowds. Maybe it's people being, you know, uh, they're tuned into the game. I, I do want to say I was talking with uh, – my guy, Sean Roberts, who's also a Sox on tap contributor. I'm not sure if you know Sean, good guy. Uh, but uh, we were talking about the feeling, Chuck, in the stadium when you get a bunch of White Sox fans who are out there cheering for the game. You hear, you've heard the, the Let's Go White Sox chants through the weekend against Detroit. You've, you've, you've just felt more energy in the ballpark the past couple of days. And, yes, that starts with winning. But that's how shit gets contagious in my mind. And I think that when you've had this, I don't know, positive energy, man, in that stadium over the past couple of days, you've seen guys deliver a little bit better. I don't know. Just something that I've noticed. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's the uh, cascade effect. He came in there. He started playing that those fucking EDM jams up. And the energy in that ballpark has never uh, come down since he played that post-game concert the other night. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I think it's uh, very contagious. I, m- I missed 
a few of the a few of the games this weekend just due to my my sister's wedding. Um, watched on my phone, so couldn't really pick up the energy off of my uh, iPhone. But it, from the looks of it, it did. I watched uh, the highlights after the games, and it did look just like a completely different team and a completely different ballpark than what it has been. And uh, you know, the last two games have looked like the playoff games. It just it's, it's contagious and. If people see that, they're gonna be like, "I want to go to the ballpark," and they're gonna and you're gonna fill up that ballpark every night. So, uh, good job on Sox fans, and it's definitely it's it's such a contagious thing for the players to uh, to play in that environment. And if they if we if people keep showing up to the park, I, I can't see them not bringing that energy day in and day out for these next forty five games. These next huge forty five games coming up. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a wild ride to the finish. Uh, we we talked a little bit about it uh, right before uh, we got into breaking this game down. Obviously, Yohan Moncada with your game winning hit again tonight. Uh, but Cleveland lost today to Detroit. Sox and Twins both one game out. It's going to be a wild ride to the finish. Obviously, the Sox uh, have a couple more to play against Houston here, Chuck, and then it's Cleveland, man. That's that's going to be something. Let's talk a little bit about the road ahead here for the White Sox. We've got another game against Houston tomorrow. We started out 2-0 against them in this series. What are your thoughts on tomorrow's ball game? Another 7-10 day. we got Kopech on the mound, Chuck. Uh, he was brilliant in his last start. Obviously, there was, some, uh, there was a lot of takes online, I would say about Michael Kopech's last start. I was pretty adamant I wanted to see him in another inning. I don't know how you feel about it. I wanted to see him go for it. I just thought it would be cool and tough. Might might kind of derail his developmental plans, but sometimes you know you want to see cool shit on your television screen as a sports fan. So that's kind of how I feel about it. But Michael Kopech on the mound against the Houston Astros, you know he's got to be jacked. What are your thoughts going in tomorrow? Um, who's he facing? Fra- is Framber pitching for for the Astros tomorrow? Uh, let me uh, grab tomorrow's probables here. But uh, while while you're grabbing that, sure I'll, he is. I'll go on Kopech. I and I didn't get to watch last start. He then. is. It's it's, it's Framber Valdez tomorrow. Cool. Um, yeah, I didn't get to watch much of his last start, but it's, from what the highlights the, from the highlights I saw, his fastball looks like it's all the way fucking back. Like it is. That heavy fastball, even though it says 97, probably feels like 101 when you're up there. Um, but you just can't – you can't extend him past the – I don't know how many innings he went. Was it six or seven? You can't he extend went, He went six in his last start, Chuck, and uh, 85 pitches. So with this TJ thing that he's coming off of, um, or the innings limit, obviously, you just got to be careful because I'd rather see him go – seven or eight in October than seven or eight versus uh, the Tigers in August. That's just my, my thoughts on that. I think that's way cooler and tougher is going seven or eight in the fucking world series. Um, but Kopech not having that dead arm anymore um, gives me a lot of confidence in him. I, he's, he's my favorite guy to watch when he's on. I think he, when he has that pinpoint control and absolutely just dots those fastballs on the outside corner, um, just nasty slider. He, he feels like he's, he's the type of guy he, when he's on, he has everything on. Um, and I'll go back to that Yankee stadium game, but that Yankee stadium game is some fucking true a shit. And that's what I'd like to see tomorrow from, uh, Kopech. And I think he has some revenge on his mind after the Sunday night, Sunday night game versus the Astros and at their place. Um, so 
maybe he can make some adjustments and uh, maybe give us a good five, six innings, and then we can get it over to that big, uh, big healthy bullpen of ours tomorrow. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm looking for a game, Chuck, where we might not have to rely as much on our bullpen. Um, obviously, you've got Kopech on that innings limit that you talked about. Pretty sure they'll have a, a quicker hook on him than most other guys in this rotation. So let's be efficient. I want him to work efficiently um, through at least the first couple innings here. That control is going to be a big part of that, Chuck. Um, you know, let's not try and strike everybody out. Let's use the defense a little bit. Let's let's get things rolling here so you can get a little bit of longevity. But having the bullpen ready to go, probably part of the White Sox game plan, knowing that they've got Kopech tomorrow on an innings limit. So we'll see what happens. Sox are going to be facing off against Framber Valdez. As we mentioned before, he's 11-4 and four with a 2-7-3 ERA. Kopech entering the ballgame 4-8, and eight, 3.18 ERA. Uh, it's Another nice pitching duel, man. Uh, I know we talked about Justin Verlander versus Dylan Cease, but this is going to be another nice pitching duel, and that's what you get when you get two ball clubs that have good pitchers on their staff. Um, I'm expecting this White Sox offense to kind of ride this momentum that they had the last two nights into tomorrow, Chuck. I know that uh, it's been rough at home, but it's starting to feel better at home. I expect the crowd to be just the same as it was in these first two games against the Houston Astros tomorrow night um and uh hopefully we see more magic uh you got to pick the click for tomorrow's white Sox game oh i do i have been a pollock for leadoff guy before it was fucking cool um i've been saying it as soon as timmy went down put that guy in the leadoff spot and i think he's the catalyst to this run um i think he's gonna get very hot for this remaining stretch and i think he's gonna fucking put one over the fence for Framber tomorrow night in the leadoff spot I love that. I love that. I'm also a Pollock for leadoff guy. I, I wrote something over at uh, ontapsportsnet.com about Pollock being uh, a leadoff guy pretty much a couple hours before Tim Anderson got injured. Or the, yeah. uh, the news about Anderson getting injured uh, came out, so I, I don't know if I feel personally responsible for that one, but catalyst he has been, and I know that this is kind of a highly debated topic on the interwebs, but uh, I, I like Pollock in the leadoff spot. I actually I, I was thinking at that point in time before we heard of the Tim Anderson news um, that uh, it might benefit Timmy to go down a little bit in the order and maybe use some AJ Pollock against you know certain situational matchups to lead off for the White Sox because he seems to perform better there. I don't know why. I can't really explain it, but it's just. Weird baseball shit, and I wish I wish that people kind of you know understood the superstitions of things. You've been talking about your superstitions. We're big superstition people on this show, Chuck. You talked about <laughs> having the game on mute. We've had instances of you know uh, Johnny changing shirts and changing positions as to where we're watching the game, changing locations, all that good shit. What it is that you wear on certain days. Yeah, I've been in these sunglasses every single White Sox win because it keeps the streak alive sometimes. We'll figure it out. But A.J. Pollock in the leadoff spot just seems to work. I love that pick to click. I'm going to ask you a question after I give mine, and we're going to go a little bit more in-depth on that as we close the show down. But I might have a little bit of a meatball take on this one. But I am going to go with, for tomorrow's ball game, Mr. Andrew Vaughn, if he's in the lineup, terrible day today. 
absolutely terrible day today in right field. Obviously, he probably feels bad about that, gets pulled out of the game um, when Gavin Sheets replaces him. I felt like he was chasing the high fastball a little bit tonight, Chuck, because he wanted to make up for it and he wanted to leave the yard. I look at that as kind of some over-aggressiveness. He's going to sleep on it. He's going to come back tomorrow and he's going to do some damage because his bat's been fairly hot. This was just kind of an outlier game, so I'm going to go with Andrew Vaughn for my pick to click tomorrow. I like that. That's uh, somebody I was definitely looking at. Um, I mean, he drove the shit out of that ball in the first inning, too. So one of those two guys, both of our guys had shooty games today. So uh, I think one that would be nice if both of them went off from the one one and two hole. And Unless uh, Robert's back tomorrow, then we might see a different little lineup. But, uh, yeah, man, I, I like both of those picks from us for tomorrow. I do as well. So I want to get into one last little uh, topic of conversation before we get to our final thoughts, Chuck. This is kind of a thing we do here called Socks on Tap Investigates. Um, And my investigation that I would like to launch on the White Sox is, did anybody expect this run to happen after Tim Anderson goes down with an injury? This is kind of a little bit sus to me, as the kids would say out there on the Internet. Uh, it's it's kind of suspect that this is all happening without Tim Anderson because I was told that the season was going to be over when Timmy went down. This is the worst thing that could have possibly happened, and yet here we are talking about some of the highest points of the White Sox season, A.J. Pollock being the leadoff guy, Tim Anderson out of – uh, the lineup for the foreseeable future. We'll see if his six-week timeline holds. I'm assuming there's going to potentially need to be some sort of rehab. There might not even be the opportunity for him to rehab uh, with this, depending on how long it keeps him out. So you're going to get him back up to the big league squad. Uh, th- th- that's not good news. I don't think White Sox fans want to see that. Obviously, Tim Anderson is uh, the best option at shortstop for this team. But does it come as any surprise to you, Chuck? that we're sitting here right now talking about the best stretch of White Sox baseball and Tim Anderson is on the shelf. I don't know why that could possibly be happening. It makes no sense. So let's investigate what the hell's going on here. Man, the the last couple weeks leading up to that injury, Tim Anderson was playing bad, low-level baseball. And he wasn't hitting in the leadoff spot. He wasn't fielding it. And it just didn't feel like he was that spark plug that we were used to seeing. When you don't get that from Tim Anderson, he's a guy that doesn't see a lot of pitches and makes a lot of fast, quick outs. And then you get to your your two-hitter. And it's uh, Luis Robert. That's another guy that likes to swing at the first pitch. Then you find yourself in four or five pitch innings in the first inning that sets the tone for the game. Then you out on defense, and the guy might make an error. And I love Timmy. And I think when he's on, he is – is a spark cat is a, is a catalyst, but when you put him and Robert together in the order, for some reason, when you put them one through three together, it just feels like it doesn't work. It's too much swing and miss early in the lineup. That was my big thing about AJ Pollock is that he is a swing and miss guy, but he will see pitches. He might see at least five pitches in that leadoff hole, and that changes everything. Just just a guy who's gonna see more pitches than a guy who's going to get a bunch of singles. Like we need that in the, in the top of our order. We need guys who are going to take pitches, see pitches um, to offset the guys like Robert or Eloy or Timmy when he is healthy. Um, and I think what we're seeing from Sosa and 
and even Larry. Like I love watching Larry. Larry is actually not a bad shortstop. I think he's a. If there's anywhere in the field where I like to watch Larry play defense, it's most likely going to be shortstop. I think he's a very formidable shortstop uh, when he's playing there often. Uh, I think Sosa's been a little rough right, right around the edges early, but obviously he's young. Um, I like he has a very good arm. It's nice to watch. It's nice to watch a shortstop that abs- abs- has an absolute fucking hose at, at shortstop. Um, but yeah, I mean, obviously not having Timmy will hurt. Like the guy, what did he get? Nine hits in the in the series versus. Uh, the A's and the uh, uh, there goes the lights. <laughs> the uh, oh, you're in the dark now. Yeah, we got a timer set. He got nine hits in that playoff series versus the uh, the A's back in 2020. Like that's the type of guy you do want in the series. But hopefully Pollock works out and he kind of just uh, forces his way in that leadoff spot. And then when Anderson comes back, they got to figure something out. Uh, put put him in a different spot. Like I can imagine a world where Tim Anderson bats. Ninth in your order. Imagine him coming up after Sebi and, and a couple of those guys that in the bottom of the order get on base. And then you got Timmy fucking coming up in the nine hole. That's a dip. That's a different type of energy at the bottom of your order. It's weird. He might not get as many as bats as he usually gets, but that could just be a nice piece um, going forward. That's my biggest thing. I just don't think it works out with uh, with Robert and um, Timmy being together in the lineup. That's an interesting thought, and I haven't really kind of put that all together, so I love that expert-level analysis. We entered Socks on Tap after dark while Chuck was uh, explaining all that to me, and it was, uh, as I said, there's the lights back. We're, we're turn back. Turn back on. Timer. We're, we're, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're back. We're back in the light. Um, but I thought that was excellent analysis, man. I, I really do agree with you on that sentiment of they're quick outs when they're outs. Um I think and that Eloy's been in the three hole. Eloy and Vaughn together. That Eloy's been seeing a lot more pitches. He's been spitting on a lot of bad pitches. There are some at bats where you'll see him just swing it. Like I think tonight that that Hector Neres at bat, he swung at like four splitters that were all balls or five straight pitches that were all balls. Um, but he still will take a walk or see pitches um, more than Robert. I like Robert in like the five hole. I think he's electric down there. Um, I like, I really have liked, uh, Eli so far, what he's been doing at the three hole. I can see why Robert goes up in the, the two spot and it's all based on his speed, man. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you kind of get baited into Luis Robert in the two hole, but I don't like him as a two hole hitter. I, I'm kind of right there with you. So it's, it's interesting that you bring that up. I think that, it, you know, it's a lot of this is a dynamic change. Um, for the White Sox offense, and it's seemingly worked out uh, since Timmy's went on the shelf. So excellent stuff here, Chuck. That'll close that for, for tonight. Thanks for joining me, man. We got uh, we got any final thoughts on this Chicago White Sox team before we wrap it up here? I'll, I'll lend you the floor here if you've got anything to air about your 2022 Chicago White Sox. Uh, the floor is yours, my friend. It feels good talking about wins. Let's keep it going. Let's make a run. Let's win a fucking World Series. That's all I have to say. That's why we're here. That's why we watch this team. I'm hoping that that's exactly what happens. I said this a couple of months ago uh, when things were not so great. I said it's either going to be a very cinematic finish to this season or it's going to go down in absolute complete flames 
Hey, the, fact the White Sox have hung around so far gives me some hope. All we know about winning World Series is going 11-1 and one and walking to a World Series, basically. I'd love to watch the cinematic version this year, so let's do something wild. I'm right there with you, man. Thanks for joining me, Chuck. That'll do it for tonight's Sox on Tap post game. Thanks for those tuned in. We'll be back tomorrow. Sox have Houston once again. We'll see if we can extend that winning streak to six in a row. Be sure you're tuning in every night. Follow us on the YouTube so you can jump in the comment section if you show choose to. Chuck, this was uh, it was fun. You're absolutely correct. Victory beers taste better than misery beers. I'm going to have a couple more of these and wash down yet another winner. Uh, follow the show at Sox on Tap. We'll close it down how we always do. White Sox forever. White Sox forever. Peace.